This is the Financial Coconut Podcast, Singapore's first personal finance podcast network. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut. Every Thursday, you'll be chilling with me and my guest, who are some of the quirkiest, geekiest people we can find on the internet about how they do money and life. So sit back, relax. We are a few days away from the weekend. Welcome to Chills with TFC. There is a buyback scheme. The one of the requirements is you gotta stay for ten years mm. in that property. So all the five year old BTO MOP ones, all you all get fly kite lah. Not gonna get it. Okay? <laughs> you wait a while lah. Yeah, wait, wait a while. Yes, yes. Got a queue lah. Got a queue. Yes. Welcome to Chills with TFC, where we sit down with the geekiest, quirkiest individuals to learn about how they do money and life. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut, and today we continue our discussion with Shake, that property guy on TikTok, right? So he is quite viral, and he made us viral while we're talking about the HDB ethnic quota property issue. So, I know that TikTok went crazy, and I even told him that, hey, you should do a stitch, right? Because you just cannot reply all these comments. So uh, today, I got him back on the show to give Give him a platform to once and for all answer the internet, right? Wow, macam we something, right? <laughs> but okay, okay, more importantly, I also asked him about how the recent HDB grants have made HDB more affordable for his clients and how to think about the next few steps now that many are entering at the peak of the hot market, right? So let's give it up for Shake. This is Chills with TFC. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Chills with TFC. I'm your host, Reggie, aka your Chief Financial Coconut. And today we have viral TikTok star in the house, right? So yeah, introduce yourself. Come on. <laughs> My name is Dead Property Guy, also known as Sheikh Amr. I don't know why I'm called the viral TikTok agent, but <laughs> but you are, right? Is that is that the colloquial understanding today? I guess so. I guess so. You can say that, but really. I, I always thought that I would just be like every other agent on TikTok, you know, mm -hmm. I just post shit every day just to help people. But, you know, turns out a lot of people either really agree with my, shit, <laughs> my content or they really hate the living shit out of me. Like when it comes to ethnic quota, you know, mm -hmm. you get you know, bigots from all over the world suddenly, yeah, you know. Yeah. Suddenly. Uh, suddenly you Suddenly never... you care, right? <laughs> suddenly you care. Like last time you don't care, then suddenly this thing viral, then you like, double oh. tahan, then you have to care. Before that, your whole floor is all Indian, you don't care. <laughs> it's not, I see. It's not, I see. <laughs> when it comes to HDP terms, bro, like half of the shit, I don't even know how to pronounce. Like mention it. Mm. How do you spell mention it? I don't know. <laughs> bro, try it. Yeah. M-A-N. Wrong. No. <laughs> Wrong. I fail. I fail. Wrong, bro. Oh my goodness. And there's the thing. I really thought I would go viral for my content. Mm -hmm. But bro, turns out when I look at the comment section, 
The only thing I went viral for is the way I said mention it and I spelled mention it. Big, big, that all wrong. <laughs> Completely wrong. <laughs> so you got like 10 comments teaching me how to spell mention it. Mention it. Mention it. Okay, okay. No wonder yeah. I hear people say mention it. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, wow. So that's how to go viral on TikTok. Wow. Yeah, I just say shit wrongly. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Crazy, crazy. But yeah, I, I know you, you went viral on TikTok. I mean, of course, because uh, it was on our channel. <laughs> so of course, I know. I think to clear the record for all those of you who saw the clip about how I, as an Indian, do not get the same advantage as people of the majority race. I want to clear out number one, it's why I feel it's unfair is because I bought this property as a BTO. So I bought it at the same price as my neighbor, who's a Chinese and he's going to be able to sell to a larger pool of people as compared to I do, even though we purchased it at the same price. So that is where there is that big like disparity between the different races. If we put everything on the same boat, assuming we both earn the same income, we both have the same CPF contributions, we bought the same property, both side by side, three-room flat, three-room flat, he would have $200,000 more purely by the color of his skin. Mm. Uh, maybe okay I think 200,000 is a bit of a, a stress yeah, like, stretch. Like, don't drama okay mm. let's talk no no you already <laughs> drama one. like come 100, on yes, I think 100,000 yes. is where we are at in today's market for ethnic house and a non-ethnic house mm. and we've seen today's news as well right the HDB four houses were actually buyback 411 appeals 131 cases on a case-by-case -case basis was approved and four were eligible for the buyback scheme so that goes to show the sheer number of people who are struggling as Indians, right? Who are who can't buy. Wait, can, can you tell me a little bit more about the buyback scheme? I, th I think people may not know. There is a buyback scheme. The, one of the requirements is you got to stay for 10 years mm. in that property. So all the five-year-old BTO, MOP ones, all you all can fly kite. La. Not going to get it. <laughs> you wait a while. La. Yeah, you, you wait another yes, five yes. more years. Got a queue. Okay? Uh, got a queue. Yes, <laughs> yes. So you got to fulfill that. Then you got to show like all your marketing receipts. You got to show the fact that there have been offers, no offers. Your, possibly your agent commissions and stuff like that. Sorry, agent conversations and everything. Showing that you have been marketing for the last like six months or a year and you're unable to sell. And then by case by case basis. So out of 411, only four were actually allowed to be bought back by HDB. At what price? I believe it's at 100% of the value. I'm not too sure if they would do it. I don't think they're going to punish you at 80% of, of the think value. Yeah. I mean, That's only for those, uh, the lock one door, rent yeah, out kind of people. Yeah. Uh, they will cannot the 80%. They want take back. Yeah. Take back, they want. <laughs> so I believe buyback scheme should be 100%. Uh, if not, I'll be very pissed off. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My son don't tell, right? No, because the goal is to close the gap, right? Essentially. Yes. So they do that as to not affect the ethnic situation in there if they allow you to sell to the majority. Yeah. So most of the cases that were approved on a case-by-case -case basis, that 131, I think, um, those were allowed to sell to another race. Oh. Uh, the buyback are uh, in situations like, for example, Jalan Bukit Ho Sui. Now, that area is heavy with the Chinese majority already. So for you to allow to sell to another, as an Indian to sell to another Chinese person, that would greatly affect the quota situation over there. It would cause like, I don't know, a racial riot. Hey, what would, I don't know, bro. Hey, and what hey, would happen? Hey, but, hey, hey, bro. One more Chinese person coming hey, into the hey, house. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Into the block. Oh my hey, God. Hey, Shit's what, going down. The bus coming out again, right? <laughs> 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 I got but, sponsors queuing up, you know. <laughs> then they listen to this. Uh, they're like, hey, mm, uh, mm. 
can't say lah. I can say girl like that. Okay, you can say, you can say. I know, I know. Yeah, you say, you say. I cheer for you, right? <laughs> you know, but 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 before this whole episode become a like ethnic property thing, which is not the goal, right? Right. I just want to clear another question that people all the comments in TikTok right that people say it's like but then you can buy resale cheaper also I think there are two groups of people right there's one group of people who want to see housing as a place where you should just stay their profit should not be factored into it and there's another group of people who have been on the boat where they had to sell and profit method cash method and we're not talking about profiting just to buy a bigger home and upgrading for example my dad had to sell because he had a stroke and a heart attack previously employed so a lot of cpf go into that property now my parents house is in ethnic kota in sims drive in gelang where the valuation of that property is about five hundred thousand. we tried marketing it for about a year no offer an ethnic quota person is sitting in his house, right? And he has no idea how is he going to let go. Because you know what? The difference between selling at 500000 and selling at 400000 is one got cash proceed of maybe 30000 40000 The other is nothing. People always say that, yes, a roof over your head is all that matters with housing. But dude, what we don't realize as Singaporeans, and a lot of Singaporeans don't realize, is that the one investment that is complex compulsory one compulsory investment is the roof over your head you have to buy a home right now with rent being this expensive in singapore you better buy a house you know it's crazy so everybody has to make that decision you have to invest and when it's a compulsory investment why on earth are you not factoring profit into that matter what if you have to sell that's something that nobody discuss right because we believe that we are immortal we believe that we nothing will have bad will happen to us and we would can comfortably pay for the house for the next like 25 years. Then they only allow us 20k to be set aside into our CPF. So the average couple now have only 20k set aside each husband and wife. So that's 40,000. So that's about two years of crisis planning set aside. What happens if you're unable to pay for longer than two years? Then what do you want to talk about? So once we clear out that two years of your savings that you can set aside in your CPF, what are you going to do for the remainder part of your life situation that can't change? You have to sell still, right? Mm. If you are in ethnic quota, how? This is one effect, one problem, right? The issue, right, is what's scary now in the current market, what I'm facing it's not even that you sell at a loss or you sell lower than valuation. It's the fact that you can't even find a buyer. That is the biggest problem. Is it, is it very common? I, I feel so privileged asking that question, right? <laughs> is so it very common for what? Like for, for this kind of situation where as an ethnic quota, you, you just can't sell and, you know, what's the average are we looking at? Bro, if I walk into an Indian house in Cantonment Close or Queenstown, Dawson area, if they cannot sell at this price, I tell them find other agent. Mm. It's really like that because truly I want to help you but we are wasting each other's time because I have been in that boat for so many times I've taken listings that take almost a year to sell. It's just on my property guru just filling up space over there and it's just I'm reposting every day for an entire year. You know. The longest I take in this market to sell a forum is about a month for like the worst second floor face dustbin that kind. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to you, uh, second floor face last <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Take less than a month still. You know, three weeks, four, three, two to three weeks, sure, move on. But ethnic quota, it could be the most premium unit, but it would take a long time. Okay, okay, fair, fair. But se selling is one thing. I think um, recently there's also a lot on about buying. Right, people yeah. cannot cannot even buy, you know, all these problems. And I think the government also come up with all these uh, extra grants, right? Like yeah. additional grants. Yeah. Um, from your view, has it changed the ground? 
Oh yeah, I think it really, I think the grants were a fantastic move by the government. It truly bridged the gap for a lot of people who were struggling in this market. Really. Right now, with the amount of grants you have, you know, non-sponsored, this is not sponsored. <laughs> it's okay, you can sponsor email here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but really, with the amount of grants that you have right now, bro, 100,000 bare minimum you can get if you buy four kilometers from your parents and you are a Singaporean. Mm. I like buying a four-room. 100k grants means you can, with 10 duties included, purchase a house about 500,000. Mm -hmm. right that's really a lot of houses that are still available to purchase you know so i think that these grants that have been given is one of the best moves for 2023 mm -hmm. it really helps a lot of people especially from the ground we do see an increase in transaction but a resistance in the price which is they're smart which means the government did what they said they do their due diligence to really assess whether or not and target these grants to the specific group of people Right, the people who not pushing the price up, but at the same time need a home. The grants were targeted for them, and it's working. We see that the prices don't increase, but people are being able to home. No one's complaining anymore. Mm, 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 we do see that yeah, no one's complaining. Now. Yes, yes. A lot of them are happy. Like they can afford more homes. And notice how the grants for the five room didn't go up by a lot. Mm. They doubled the four room, but they only increased the five room to fifty thousand. Right. Mm. So if you are buying a five room flat, you better not go in like splurge now with twice the amount of grants. So they understand exactly where the price movement is happening. And they do see that data and they have identified that giving grants to the four-room people will not cause a surge in price mm. because these people genuinely just need to buy a home in a market that has been so inflated by COVID, you know, and all that supply chain disruption and all the construction problems and BTOs, lack of uh, supply of BTO. So these people need help. Mm. All the people without money, I mean, we have a lot of money, stamp duty, killed it, boom. Sorry, not stamp duty, cooling measure, killed it, boom. So they don't BSD have... BSD also went yeah, up, yes. They are out of the market. They can't come back in for 15 months. So nobody's going to like, oh, now I got grants and I've got shit ton of cash. I'm going to come in and now whack oh, and buy okay, all of that. One. Ah, those yeah, fellas yeah. all waiting. Mm -hmm. You know, they probably are not going to come in the market for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that means very good chance for the market to stabilize. I think what's damn sad is all those people, their parents go and buy under their name. That one damn shack because now they cannot VTO for 30 months. Then maybe they thought that, oh, okay, this property uh, appreciate it. My parents will sell and give me money to buy my mm -hmm. HDB. You have to wait 15 months. Mm -hmm. They also get stuck. So these group of people are really damn sad. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, as, as with every policy, la, some yeah. people will love it, some people won't, right? So it is what it is, right? <laughs> yeah, but but I think it, at least it solves a lot of the people that uh, are struggling, which mm. I think I think that is the core purpose of public housing. Yeah. Right, not for you to make money out of it. But although we are personal finance podcast and I know a lot of people <laughs> make money out of it. But you know, my base case is public housing, let's keep it public, right? It's, yeah. it's for everybody to have a roof over the head, right? And then there are many other things that we can solve as we go along. Yeah. Right. But then with this grant and all that, right? That means it's allowing people to enter the market is it going to affect them when they are trying to exit the market? Né? It is. Because it the is. grant need to pay back, right? In that yeah. sense, pay back into your CPF, right? Yeah. yeah. I remember a couple of years back, I, I think President Halima Yacob was pushing for not using, I don't know, Don't please don't perform me. I think it's her. It's okay. Right. Right. <laughs> but I think it's her that was pushing for not using CPF to pay for your housing. And a lot of people were very upset by that at that mm -hmm. time. And back then, I, I also thought, dude, that's crazy. How are people going to afford? But when you think about it today, with 
the average Singaporean putting in a minimum of 100,000 of CPF monies into their HDB, by the third or fourth year, they're going to go through a negative sale. What does that mean? That means that they will get no cash out of their property. Doesn't mean the property is losing money, right? It doesn't really mean the property is losing money, but the HDB is public housing, right? If it continued to grow the way it did for the last three years, your five-room flat will be worth 1.5 million by 2030, Mm. if you do the math. So it cannot continue to keep rising. There'll be protests on the street. Yeah, protests on the street, you know? Yeah, so that, that's the issue, right, with housing. Because you're putting in so much CPF into your down payment and then every month you consistently put money to pay for your mortgage with your CPF. Many people don't factor in that, hey, I bought this property at 500k, it has to appreciate to 580 or 620, you know. It has to appreciate by close to 100,000 for me to see $1 in cash. It's not even a profit situation. It is a break-even situation where... I see some cash. Now you might wonder, okay, what do I need all this cash for? A lot of homeowners are dependent on renovating the next house that they're going to purchase. Even if they are downgraders, they want to go and buy a smaller home and fully pay off. They want to live a debt-free life. We are not talking about profiting here. We are talking about just not having any utang, you know, not having any loan. So you don't even have the opportunity to do that because that house has completely, you are, you don't have the cash to renovate. Then you have to pay your agent. Then what are you going to do? How are you going to pay these two things? That already forms like, today's renovation for a four-room flat is easily 50000 40 to 50000 plus agent. That's already 55000 in cash that you need to save up to buy the next flat. And you can't do that. So you just end up staying put. Then you can't unlock all of that CPF that is sitting in that house for your retirement, which is what is essentially was designed for. Retirement, right? I mean, we can argue all day about how you can invest outside and make a lot more money. I'm sure you have tons of people who were on your guests, right? Who have seen, I, I watched the previous episode, The Wealth Advisor as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he can also debate with me on that. But the truth is for the common man, the common man, can you tell me that he's able to invest outside better than the CPF accrued interest? Actually, the CPF data came out to show that most of the people that invest underperform or barely perform, barely perform the more. 2.5, you know, after cost and everything, you know. But yeah. I think I think things are changing a little bit, but you cannot everything on risk, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like you must have some things on risk. Yes, okay, we want to like get the growth. We want to, you know, maybe retire a bit faster, you know, send our kids. Uh, yeah. Maybe, you know, back then can only send to Singapore. Now you can send a bit further. Okay, la, right? And also, you on risk on some of these things, there are some variability, right, on that. Yeah. But you can not everything on risk huh, is quite quite crazy, right? So I would argue that the most of the common men maximize your CPF structure, you know, put it in, let it roll. It's not too bad, you know. And to be clear, 2.5 or even 4% or 4.5%, it's not crazy to a point that it becomes very hard for Tomasi and GIC to generate mm. because they are professionals, right? Or at least... Yeah. I want them to be a professional group, yeah. right? Okay. Whether you think or not, that is your problem. Okay. I, I think they have done whatever that they have done. Okay. The barrier of barrier entry. entry yeah, barrier I feel entry for is. the financial market is a lot higher as compared mm. to property. Mm. You know, as compared to um, just doing simple things like, hey, cutting back on the amount of mortgage you're going to be using, take a lesser loan, try to pay your mortgage in cash so that you can let CPF do the work for you. Mm. Right. How many property agents, when you think about it, don't have CPF 
And I tell you, property agents are the ones that understand the most. You know? They value CPF so much. You know why? Because we don't have it. And it's actually not easy to voluntarily contribute into your CPF. Mm. The discipline you need to consistently month on month put in that 23% on your own, very difficult, bro. Mm. No yeah. incentive. Lah. No right. incentive. Government right. give you 5% matching, you put. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that discipline really tough. Ah. Mm-hmm. you know to put aside and for the common man to develop <laughs> that kind of discipline mm-hmm. to put aside money into the CPF I'm very grateful that the government has actually done that for majority of Singaporeans mm-hmm. who are employed because when you really think about it how many people can actually afford homes if we didn't have CPF it's true it's true right yeah but if you really want to push that topic then <laughs> you know what about not letting the prices float right but, but that's, a, that's a different discussion <laughs> that is a different discussion okay but then on, on that point right essentially of like CPF retirement and housing how about don't use everything CPF yeah right? I, I agree with that but you don't feel like it is a little bit much to ask from the common man don't use CPF like I think I think your down payment you no choice. It's a big sum. Right? Yeah, you go, because you of go, our quantum, right? Yeah, of the quantum, you have to go in, you need the CPF, you know, you... you I think have, that's fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. But it's a servicing after that. Yes, I think that's where Singaporeans take uh, CPF for granted. That's where we have a problem, right? Because the expectations and what now our desire versus what we actually should be doing matters a lot, right? At this point, you see, you already got 100k government already give you. You are a couple. You need a four-room flat. I give it to you. You can now buy. Your CPF also, I let you use your 30,000, 40,000 as a starter couple, right? Each of you got about 40 grand. So now the 80K. Your down payment already, you can buy a $600,000 house. At this point, you go and buy, max out your entire loan to go and buy that five-room flat, that super high floor, very nice. Then you whack your renovation. And then you say, hey, I cannot pay my mortgage in cash. I have to use CPF every month. That one, whose fault? Mm. <laughs> Agent fault lah. Agent fault lah. Agent never tell you lah. Always agent fault, right? Always agent fault Yeah, yeah. Because you know? need to sell higher, make that 2%. <laughs> right? Always yeah. agent fault. Yeah, so, it's really, now you already have the affordability settled. Then at least work on your loan being, don't take so high loan lah. Work on a mortgage that you can comfortably afford in cash every month. Because what happens when you go and overstretch like this? five, ten years later. And that's the thing, right, about a lot of Singaporeans. They always say that, no, I'm buying a forever home. No lah. Bro. <laughs> no lah. Especially got... <laughs> you buy the new BTO estate. You don't yeah. even know what this estate going to look like in five years. That means forever home. Yeah. If it's really true, then why the hell we got 24,000 transactions every month? No, if you buy like Telo Blanga or something, right, that you know this place is forever going to look like that. Or more or less, you know, like 10, 20 years is going to look like this. Then, yeah. then I think the case that you tell me this is a forever home yeah. is more anchored. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And they make these decisions, right, when they have no children, mm. when they are 25. So the first thing I always ask a lot of people is, you, bro, you're making a 25-year decision today. Mm. You got to think about five years ago, how you used to think. Mm. <laughs> Just think about it, right, five years ago. Dangerous. You could ask this question. Dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ask this question to any age group and that's what rocks them because they realize five years ago they were different, completely different person. Mm. Mm. Be it you're 30, to 35, even if you are 40, even at 50 and 55, right? It's a big difference, you know. Five years is a long time. So what makes you think you at the age of 25, you're going to feel that this is your forever home until you turn 60 Mm -hmm. or until you turn 50? 
how can you make that decision? One thing can change. An extra, an unplanned child. No, an unplanned triplet. Yeah. <laughs> triplet, bro. Yeah. The government will love you, but you will like, oh, wow, headaches. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay. So then in, in that view, I mean, you paint the picture quite cleanly, right? In the sense of like, two of you young couple, 25, 28, you know, 25 a bit too young these days. Right? Maybe somewhere like 28, 30. Yeah. You see more and more people in that range, you know, coming into the market and then they want to shop for a house. With all these grants, they're first timers. And with the pretext that you say that every five years, your life changes, yeah. right? How would you recommend them to think about it? I think step one would really be to have as many doors open as possible. So limiting, of course, limiting your CPF is one of the most important doors to leave open because you want to keep generating the 2.5% in your OA, right? Because you are not in the financial market. You are not investing daily. You are not a crypto millionaire, you know? You don't have all <laughs> these yet. things. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, yes, you know, yes. I've got a lot of Shiba, yeah, you know? I'm yeah, just yeah, waiting yeah. any day it's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know why you are in Shiba. <laughs> so yeah, I think number one is really have that avenue open because you never know when you need to sell. Mm. So if you're going to public housing, understand that the entire government is not on your side when it comes to keeping prices appreciating. That is not their goal. I think Coffee Talks 2019, Prime Minister Lee Sen Lung did say that 99 years is a long time. 99 years can serve you for your generation, your children, and even your children's children. Right, your grandkids. From this, we can easily understand that their goal is to make sure that every Singaporean has a roof over their head, not to profit. So, we know that they are not into helping you to profit your HDB. So, they are in the boat of keeping it affordable by greatest cooling measure of all time, increasing BTO supply. So, the entire forces are already against you. Mm. So, when you buy a property, you want to keep your break even as low as possible because... If we look at the numbers over the past, we would understand that it would eventually dwindle down. Mm. But, but we also must be clear that there was a generation that was so the, yeah. the idea of yeah. like appreciation, right? Yeah. Of course, when it was 80,000, 160, 160, 20, 20, even 600. Mm-hmm. But bro, where have you seen 600 become 1.2 yeah. million? It's, it's crazy. Protest yeah. in Hong Lim, right? <laughs> like I said, right? I've said it many times. Right? I'm going to own yeah. this, right? If yeah. if prices are going to go there as an average, there will be protests on Hong Lim. Definitely, right? man. Definitely. So I, I really don't think we'll have the same government. That mm. mean them being said, they have to keep public housing affordable. Yes, yes. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So the narrative has shifted. Yeah. The goals have shifted. And I think it is not about blaming, you know, oh, what you shift or that. I mean, there, there will be a generation that do that because they were bought, they bought into that narrative. Yeah. And then now it's like, eh, plata frip, right? It's like, what's happening, right? So they are unhappy and I think rightfully so. I can understand why they're unhappy. But I think for our generation, you know, millennials, Gen Zs, they are entering the market this is the new reality. Yeah. Right? This is the new picture that the government is painting. And then uh, you do you lah. You got to think about it lah. Yeah. yeah. Like really that is the goal. Keep the option open so that if you need to sell, you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to sell. Mm-hmm. What else? I think number two would be 
try your very best to make your first property the best decision you can make, right? Because it really defines your next 30 years. Eh? Mm. So how do you define it's a good, like your best purchase? Because everybody has a framework to decide what is the best, right? right. Like in your framework. Okay. For example, we follow the first timeline where it's an every Singaporean who decides to take all the grants, uh, pay the entire mortgage and CPF, mm. live comfortably for the next first five years. And then let's assume in this scenario, two people, one, both of them decide to sell at the fifth year mark after the MOP. In one situation, this person will go through easily. We've already covered a negative sale. This person has paid his CPF monthly in cash all the way. He would have zero cash and maybe he would be CPF rich with about well, two, three hundred thousand, depending on how much. So... This person to either has two options, right? Three options. So one, do nothing, upgrade to a bigger place and come out of his own savings. And number three is he can downgrade and buy something that's smaller, right size. The same couple decides to pay his entire mortgage in cash. For example, like I said, buying your first property is extremely important. So the way you finance your property, the things that you do in the first five years, if you can afford to do it, things like renting out your bedrooms, for example, not touching that money. Right, putting it in a joint account, not touching it. That person will amount in cash and CPF to about, assuming he pays his mortgage in cash of close to three hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred to three hundred fifty thousand in cash and CPF. Right, we're talking a cash of about close to hundred k just from paying the mortgage in cash, everything coming back to you, all the grants that you took coming back to you, all the money that's sitting in your OE that's been there review, and of course the rental of about. If we just talk $700 a month for two bedrooms. Yes, you can, man. $700. No, no. <laughs> conservative. <laughs> la. Conservative. You're not very conservative. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, I all could. my Malaysian friends are like, oh my God, how do we do this? Yes. <laughs> okay. That, that's better, right? Yeah, so yeah. let's just assume 700 We look at down market again, right? So that's 1004 That's about close to $72,000 in five years. We don't talk about the wholesalesman of go upgrade to condo, la, do all this. You know, a lot of people hate that. So, uh, But is that, is that your idea? That is essentially buying a private property is great. You know, I'm a big believer in buying private properties. I think it's um, one of the greatest ways to put your money in somewhere that's better than a bank. It grows in wealth. Um, it's not a get rich quick scheme. That's not where I'm at. You know, it's appreciating. We cannot deny that 98% of new launches in the last uh, five years did all were positive transactions, right? They all were profitable. So, you can do that, but that's not what we are talking about here. Now we're just talking about a common man, right? Yeah. As a couple, if one just chong for the first five years, he would have a mass 350k in CPF and cash. By doing fundamental things that's available to everyone, you don't need to be extremely smart, you don't need to have a high income, you don't have anything. Low income, the more you have mm. when you think about it, right? Yeah, you just yeah. need a smaller place to have sex. You cannot do it in the living room because yeah. the other people, yeah. everything. Even if that's the case, <laughs> you're not the master. Yeah. So you never see the tenant, right? <laughs> then you can have the common room and the two. Hey, 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 that, that is not the tone of the show. <laughs> but I know I started it. <laughs> yeah, but that being said, dude, that that can almost fully pay your next house already. You just need to take a tiny loan. You Or you could even upgrade to an executive and have a tiny loan of about six to $900 a month and comfortably pay that for the next 25 years. Or you want to chong 10 years at $2,000 a month. Go for it. You have the savings to do it. Your whole life is different. Another guy has to work and live within his means at the fifth year mark and also come out all of the money in his savings. This guy never even touched his savings. 
Mm. I get it. I think, I mean, this is mathematically accurate, right? But, yeah. but fundamentally, you must have the option. Uh, yeah, lifestyle. Right, 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 if yeah. you have children you must and have all the option. that. Yes, yes. You got yeah. children, everything very hard. Like, unless your children stay in the corridor, like, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what, that's not the goal. That's yeah. not the goal. Okay, fair, fair. Interesting. I think we've established that whole like buying process. How has this thing changed? You know, and uh, empower the people and all that, right? So if they are looking to upgrade to like mention it or upgrade to like, I don't know, Sembawang still got Jumbo, right? Jumbo. Woodlands, or, Woodlands. Yeah, Woodlands, you know, Jumbo flat, which at the point in time, they couldn't sell. That's why it became Jumbo, you know, or, you know, further upgrade into private. How should we think about this? At that point, dude, you've put in the work. So I'm a big believer in, as long as you put in the work one time, at that point, up to you what you want to do, man. No judgment. You want to go and upgrade to go and buy a fully pay or another HDB that depreciating, go for it. You deserve it. You've earned it already. Mm. Nobody's going to like force you. And if you still want to chong, you're young, you have the income, go straight for the private because that is one of the best ways to, as a common man to, like I said, it's a compulsory investment, right? So why not put your money in a place where it's appreciating and safe? But with all the ABSD and all the... Because oh, no, it, ABSD, it, ma. It, yeah, because it's your first one, right? So, but it, it looks like uh, our government is slowly recognizing... Okay, I was saying maybe not so slow. This has been a few years that private property is a great place for tax. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Great, great place, place to tax, that. right? Because they were trying very hard to crack how to tax wealth. Yeah. And they realized all the wealth are there, right? And can track one, right? Because some other ways of taxing wealth is harder, right? But property is there. It's in your face. The name is there. Yeah. You know who owns it, yeah. right? So they are finding it increasingly sexy yeah, <laughs> to it is, tax it there, is. right? So is it still a case for people to enter the private property space and can still get it, you know, in that sense, like still actually profit out of it? You can, but don't expect the what we saw since 2017, right? Where it is uh, easily 200, 300 per square feet increase in profits. You're not going to get that. In fact, I do feel the majority of the new launches in Singapore today are extremely expensive. It's crazy expensive. We used to think it was expensive, but dude, that wasn't expensive versus what we are seeing today, right? If we look at the latest launch at Botany or even Sinica at Tanamira, bro, 2,000 per square feet. Hey, wait, Tanamera got problem, is it? Huh? Tanamera very far out got problem. <laughs> the only thing good about Tanamera is really Simpang Bedok, bro. Uh, cheers, cheers to Simpang Bedok, yes, yeah. yes. So for, you want to pay 2,000 per square foot, Simpang go ahead. Nah. I'm not going to do that, nah, bro. That to me is scary. Yeah. So yeah, I do think a lot of these private properties are extremely expensive. Am I on the boat on all property can buy? No, of course not. There are going to mm. be properties that are not profitable. So always stick with something that is safe but even before you look at private property investing, make sure you can afford it comfortably. You know, make sure you have the crisis planning set aside. Yeah, but but I think I think one of the bigger assumptions is that private property prices will keep moving up, right? Yes. Okay, so two two questions, right? First question is at this point in time, we are hoping that HDB prices will reverse to mean. Mm. right or come back down like government give all these grants hoping to cushion the impact of people that are entering now yeah. essentially to you know kind of reverse and then come to a more steady pace right but is that not going to be seen in the private property space is the first question second question is a lot of people when they talk about private property or it's not even about private property it's, it's just about investments right mm. generally uh, there's this like endless up trend that people think about like wow it will Guarantee go up, it'll keep going up because it has been going up. Yeah. Right? People don't even talk about like why has it been going up? Like yeah. what's happening, right? So these are the two questions la, to, to, to you, right? You don't yeah. think it will come down? You don't think it will have a turn over this period of time? It's always two groups of people, right? The one that's waiting for the bubble to burst, mm. the ones that sell on always go up. 
Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a bubble. Lah. There is not a bubble. It's nowhere near coming down anytime soon. And let me tell you why. It's, it's very straightforward. Okay. I see it as, bro, no matter what price the developer buy the land at, Singaporeans still buy. Uh, mm. Always still selling out. You know? It's very interesting. Also because like, no matter how much I say, people will still be going towards the brand new market because the commissions are insane. And a lot of property agents might oh, yeah, hate me for saying it. mean the agents are pushing that. Yeah, right? Yes, yes, know, the commissions are insane. And that's because the new launch market is the one that's paying the huge. Yeah, it can be 5, 6, 7%. Yes. Dude, when I first joined the industry that year, V and Shenton was going at 10%, bro. Wow. You sell a one bidder, you can get a full 100k award. Mm. That's insane. So that was when it was the start of that bull run. Right, 2017, we started seeing you throw a stone at any condominium, any new launch in 2017, all make money, everything profited. So, commissions drive a lot of these projects, and we cannot deny that. Number one, so that's one big factor that we, we can never run from. Number two is the fact that whatever price the developer decides to go at, even though they bought it at such a cheap price and their profit margin is huge, Singaporeans still buy, Singaporeans still love brand new. We cannot deny that. We still see brand new cars. COE price still going up. Our need for brand new and like wanting something that is no one has used before, it's there. It's driven. It's in our culture. So you don't think it's a foreigner entering the market? What percentage? You go on HPROP. Everybody who says that, oh, foreigners inflating the market, please lah. Go and see your HPROP. For example, Avenue South Residence, 90% bought by Singaporeans. Look at EC. You think Singaporeans no money? <laughs> EC, right? The maximum you can loan is 1 million. Regardless, even if you are the son of our president, Haiman Yaakob, you can only loan 1 million max because there's an income ceiling. Then the average EC price for those larger units are 1.3, 1.4 million. Then you tell me now that 300, 400k, come how they come where, out? Yes. Come from where? First timers are more, eh? Majority are all first timers. So where is that all coming from? Either the HDB upgrader who sells the house, gets a 300k, but they have a levy because now they are BTO, so many of them wouldn't be able to come up that much cash. But you see a lot at the EC balloting when I'm there. It's all young couples, eh? Mm, father, mother, at the back. <laughs> Yeah. Not foreigner. <laughs> so some might argue like, oh, they are new citizens. So that is why I am always watching parliament because I want to see the statistics. What percentage of new citizens are actually buying property? Mm. I believe it's a very small amount. Okay, okay, fair. So so then you kind of like stab your friends in the space, right? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, hey, you're anyhow push, all this like new launch, everything, cost commission them good. For someone that's thinking, because I think for us, we're not here to flame sellers, we are here to educate the bias right so for someone that is like at that front thinking about buying like condo right like like yes you, you said that okay you know now you've done your grind you can do what you want to do but what are some best practices that they can think about when they're entering into that field because I think it's a very different thought process yeah. as compared to when you're like entering the BTO and all that yeah I think BTO is very straightforward, yeah, straightforward right? Right? show me money mm-hmm. buy anything second floor face dustbin make money <laughs> But yeah. don't, uh, don't buy second floor face dustbin. <laughs> hey, not true. Listen, don't discriminate uh, the second floor face dustbin. Okay? I want to say, I've sold many. It is not that hard. Mm-hmm. It is a matter of your pricing. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, you got a product, you know, some people have an LV bag, you have a normal bag, you know, you go and get, just sell a bit, follow what your product is. Like. You, know, you cannot expect to sell at the 10 floor price. Expectation is very important with BTO sellers. So I do feel that a lot of people put heavy emphasis on how scary it is and how you cannot sell these units. I just want to put it out there for everybody watching. It's not that hard. 
overrated. You don't need to go so crazy. Let go of a BTO. Especially now that they're forcing BTO down everybody's throat, right? Mm. If you don't pick a unit, you uh, bend the second timer. That's the new ruling. So please don't be scared. Go for the second floor. You still make your money. Mm. All right. Uh, best practices. I do think that if you are on the boat of wanting uh, financial freedom in the sense of no loans, then your best practice is to go with a downgrade to something smaller or take a tiny loan because now you still can work at the age of 30. Take a small loan, take it for about 10 years, clear it, upgrade to that dream house la, that you want to. If you're moving to the private property phase in 2023, now this way it becomes a, everybody's in a different boat, right? Some people believe in buying uh, close to the center region. Some people believe like buying in the OCR region or buying a bigger space. I personally think with where prices are at, go with the biggest you can. Further outskirt is always better than speculating with the central region. Why? I do think that prices at 3000 per square feet and above, the products like that are for the seasoned investors, the people who are already extremely wealthy and who have the holding power for long term for the market to reach that stage where people are coming in. If you go with the OCR and something that's larger, a three or four bidder, then we can understand that you are buying for the purpose of own stay and allowing your money to grow in there for long periods. You're not a speculator. Okay, we cannot deny, you know, just purely with inflation, buying a property that is young, about five to six years, you stay for 10 years, lease decay not going to affect you in the leasehold. 99-year leasehold condo, not going to affect you that much. It's still 15 years old, relatively good. And we know we just... With purely with inflation, it's not a linear thing, but it's about 2% a year. So at least your money from now, you buy at maybe uh, 1.8 million. You know, 10 years later, 15 years later, it's about 2 million plus plus. People can accept that future price. People today are already paying crazy price for, <laughs> for that. You know? People are paying 2.6 million for a two-bedroom at Dairy Farm Estate. Dairy Farm? 2.4 million for two-bedroom. <laughs> Why? Why are you guys at oh, Daily no. Farm? Yeah, Why? Daily Farm, right? <laughs> so, I don't get it. In MacPherson, you know, Antares, people pay 2 million for a tree bader. That's a thousand square feet today. So buy something that is safe. Don't speculate. Buy it for the long term. Buy it for own stay. So you're putting your CPF and your cash into a property that is growing your money. It's not a get-rich scheme. Property was never designed to be a get-rich scheme. But it became one. It became one. It became a make your two, three hundred. It was true. People did make. We cannot deny that if you look at now what. But it's no longer the case, right? Or you, you hope that is not the case, right? I yeah. mean, I hope that is not the case. I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't. I never believed that property was a get-rich scheme, quick scheme. I've always believed that uh, no investment should be compared against each other. So I don't believe that investing in stocks should be compared to property. Like one is better than the other. That's not true. You would put 250000 in a property, but you wouldn't put 250000 in one stock. So it's not comparable. We can have that discussion another time. <laughs> yeah, but yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. You yes. don't compare Please these two things, it. right? And, and really wealthy people, like I have the luxury of meeting like so many wealthy property investors who are also in this market and all that. They also teach me that don't compare these two things. This is where you make shit ton of money. Property is where you take that money and you put it to hold. Like that's their philosophy. They never use property to like make the five, six million. It was, and it was never designed to be like that. It just so happens that economic bias and how commission driven this place is has caused a huge influx of people to move into that new launch space. And now we have a whole new culture, a whole generation of people that truly believe in brand new. I could walk in right with client right today, uh, I don't need to convince them that brand new make money. 
I don't need to. I have to convince them, right? You shouldn't be buying brand new today anymore. You should be going to the resale. And still, there's now a lot of resistance. You, it used to be the opposite in the past, you know? It used to be so hard for me to even explain to them how this brand new will make money. Today, everybody knows it. And it's scary, bro. Because the brand new today, I don't believe all of it will make money. I really don't. I think I don't think a lot of the new launches today will make that much money. So if you're entering into the brand new market, go with something safe. Something that you know is that ticks all the boxes, right? Is there going to be a proper exit strategy for you? Is it going to be a new MRT? Don't go and buy dairy farm estate. Now. Where are you going to find that MRT? Yeah, sell to farmers. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's important. You, know, you got to have that transformation in the area. You got to have that exit strategy in the area. You must know who you want to sell to. Mm. You know, if you don't even know whether the future people can accept the price you have today, you are believing what the salesman in the show flat is, is telling you, then you are not doing your own due diligence. So investing, when you enter the private property market, the biggest advice is take responsibility for your investment. You have to know what you are putting your money in. It's really the largest ticket item of your life. Eh? Mm. You know, it's two million. No? <laughs> you will never buy anything more expensive than that. So do your own due diligence. You have to feel really comfortable with the investment. Yeah. The purchase. Yeah. You have to really make sure you know every angle. Yeah, fair. And I think we also need to flag out that, you know, inflation rates uh, may not be at 2%. It may stay heightened for a while. Mortgage rates may stay very high. So... We're already a yeah. pessimistic for bro. I just yeah. believe in 2%. Yeah, yeah. No, so so if, if, yeah. it stays, if it stays at 2 or yeah. maybe even go up to 4 and then you have mortgages that stay high at like 3, 6, 4%, then essentially your property needs to run at 8%, 8% per annum for you to make any real wins, right? And uh, can it be done? I don't know. Right. And, and it gets harder. Lah. And the apex, right? Essentially, there's an apex for buyers. And as you move up on the apex of all these kind of stuff, the people that can play that game become smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm. Right. So then, you know, like once, like, like what you say, lah, like if you go into a 3000 PSF, you know, you how many people can take that off your hands? Yeah. Right. And so essentially, you're playing in a smaller circle. You really got to know how to play that game. Cool. Um, closing. Any any last last lines you want to share? You know, <sighs> enough of ethnic quota lah. That was enough. <laughs> enough. Yeah. I know it will never be enough, right? Mm. But we have made our contribution in that discussion. Yeah. Ignited it. I think I think that's uh, something that I hope the government tweaks lah. I think a lot of people are suffering. I don't think it should be removed just yet. Maybe tweaked. The very least. It is a policy that's from the 60s, right? And last statements, I think really be careful of what you are purchasing in 2023 and always be focused on affordability as your North Star. Do not overstretch in this market because we are in a very, very inflated market and it is public housing at the end of the day. So if you were to come down, you are the one that's going to suffer the worst because you bought in the high. So affordability should be your number one priority, knowing exactly what you are purchasing and why you're purchasing it. Mm. Nice. And negotiate on commission. <laughs> <laughs> Can negotiate one right away. This is not legal mandate. Huh? But, but that one he cannot say, I say. Negotiate okay? can go yeah. upwards yeah. Also. Hey, Of course, <laughs> right? Yeah, we can talk, right? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Hey, most welcome. Oh, Thank you for definitely. having me, man. Stay tuned all the way after these quick notes for our personal money question segment. Before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. Join our Telegram group, follow us on our socials, and check out thefinancialcoconut.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I have three questions that I ask everybody. You know, um, it's a standard question. Lah, so we roll at the end. Uh, first question is, what is one place that you learn, you know, that you feel is underrated, right? It can be a, can be a YouTube channel, can be a particular podcast, can be a book that you read. It can, can, can be anything in that sense. So the next question is, uh, what is one thing under $100 that you, that you bought that is a game changer for your life? I think question one and question two, I would say would be uh, 48 Laws of Power, the book. I wouldn't say it's, un- I don't know if it's underrated depending on how many people have read it before, but 48 Laws of Power taught me not just to be uh, more inf- influential. It taught me to be a better wife, a better wife, a better husband oh, okay. to my wife. It's okay, you can be a better <laughs> wife. What is wrong? <laughs> yes. You can be a better dolphin also after yeah. you. Yes. I think it, it taught me to be a better son. It taught me to uh, really understand how to communicate with people and learn that in the corporate world, even though I am self-employed, I still have to work with a lot of people, a lot of agents, negotiations. It taught me to be a, a ferocious negotiator, taught me how to understand how people work, learning how to do things like communicate in a social setting so that you could get the better deal for your clients as well. You know, and understanding how family politics work, how friends and social circle, how to be a... Uh, I think the correct term for it is a lynch pincher, is it? How to be a lynch pincher? And I think that's the term for it, right? Where you enhance the conversations of the people around you. So I think everybody should read that book, even though it, it's very controversial. I think if you use it for good, you can do wonders with it. If you use it for bad, then... It's- you can also do wonders with it. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's just, where do you yeah. wonder to... And the third question is, what has been your worst and best investment you've ever made? Crypto. Shiba, Luna, I bought it all, bro. Uh, Doge, Saitama. <laughs> I bought every coin. The definition of speculation, I bought it all, bro. Best, worst decision is that, yes. What's your best then? My best decision is uh, my BTO, la. Okay. my SBF. La. Okay. I'm still very grateful for that. Yeah, thank you. Most welcome. Thank you so much for having thank me you. on the show, you. man.